Good morning. I'm so excited um, for y'all to listen to the speaker this morning. Dr. Kathy Crockett, she might be a familiar face to some of you and a brand new face to some. She served here as a professor in our school of business and leadership for 22 years. And so we're so excited to welcome her back to this stage. She also, for some of you, she served as the interim president at Lubbock Christian High School. So she is an encourager. She is someone that speaks truth and love um, and has been such a good friend and mentor to me throughout the years. So please help me welcome Dr. Kathy Crockett. Well, it is such a privilege for me to be here this morning. Um, This LCU is such a special place to me. And when Keisha asked, said, hey, would you come to chapel and speak again? I was like, I'd love to. So the Bible verse that was read this morning is really special to me. Many of you probably have heard it before, and I had heard it many times before. But last fall, this verse became even more special to me. I was asked to do something really outside my comfort zone, something that was going to be really hard. And I really learned deeply how you can cling to God's word and it can be an encouragement to you. So in that, it says you're not given a spirit of fear. And even though maybe I should have been afraid of what was being asked of me, I never felt fear. And I believe it was because of this promise that we've been given. And the word power, love, and sound mind were really important to me because I felt like they all had to do with how we take care of each other. You know, the word power, some people can interpret that as being on your own, having the power to do something, even perhaps having the power of God working through you, which is very valid. But for me, it was, I wanted the power of a lot of us working together. You know, the quote, few burdens are heavy if everyone lifts. And I asked for a lot of help and a lot of really great people, including students, helped me. And it was amazing. Love, we took care of each other. We loved each other. We may not have been perfect. We may have made some mistakes. But we took care of each other. So we didn't have to be afraid because we loved each other. And then a sound mind, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can tell myself some crazy stories of what ifs. Well, what if this happens? Well, what if that happens? And, and sometimes those what ifs can cause you to be afraid. Yet remember, God says, no, no, no. Not a spirit of fear, a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. And so I loved that I had people around me who could remind me whose I am, who I am, Remind me that the Lord has gifted us with talents and experiences to give it a try, to go for things, to not be afraid to try. And so that scripture almost daily, even now, is very special to me. It really encouraged me and helped me take the next step. Often we may see this huge mountain in front of us, and it's not about the mountain, it's about the next step. And so I also could go on in telling my story, but I felt like, I think y'all in chapel have been talking about the word how, How do you do different things? And so I thought I would share this morning, how do you lean into your faith and really allow God to help you and encourage you when something maybe really hard has happened to you, something really difficult is coming that is in front of you, that you really wish wouldn't happen to you and wasn't happening to you, yet you're in the middle of it. So how do you cling to God in your faith during those moments? So I'm just a tad older than all of you, well, some of you. Keith, I'm a little older than you. You're a little older than me. So, but some of you, obviously, you're college students. And that was my favorite thing about LCU was working with college students. You guys are some of my favorite people. I love college students. So I thought instead of me sharing a story, I would share a story from a former student. And this happened to him while he was a student at LCU. So this student was a student athlete. He played basketball. See, the basketball team still sitting in their spot back there. And his girlfriend at the time was also a student athlete. She played volleyball. 
And so he tells the story that one day he had just finished up practice. The volleyball team was actually in Wichita Falls playing, but he figured out a way he could watch it online or listen to it online. So he just finished practice with Coach Duncan. He said he had this big old bowl of wings. He was about just to, I think his words were, he was about to just chow down on his wings because he was starving and start listening to the game, kind of catch it midway through. And he got a phone call. And the phone call said, you have to come to Wichita Falls right now. Something has happened to your girlfriend, and we don't know exactly what's going on, but you need to get here now. So he instantly gets in his car, meets his parents halfway. They head to Wichita Falls. And in his mind, when he gets there, he's thinking, okay, this is going to be a big hospital. I've got to figure out which entrance to go into, all the things. Well, they pull up, and immediately he's mad. He's like, why do they have her at this little podunk building? It looks like a tiny little I don't know, like a small town elementary school that's super old, and she's having brain surgery. Why in the world is she here? So he was already mad, and he goes into the building, and it's packed because it's not very large. There's only one entrance. He didn't have to worry about knowing which entrance to go into, and the waiting area is packed because so many people love his girlfriend. They love LCU. Word's getting around that this is going on. So the room is so full of people. He goes in and he sits there for a while, but then he's just mad and he's getting overwhelmed. And so he just said, I had to go out to the parking lot. I just, I just had to get out of there. And so I'm actually going to read his words from a book. This has all been published in a book, so this is all kind of public knowledge now. But I just wanted to read you his thoughts. Horrible thing is happening to him. He planned on marrying her. They had already been talking about getting married. And here she is. They're not sure if she's going to live. So he said... I left and went outside by myself. I paced around the tiny, empty parking lot until I finally lost it. I broke down, started crying. All the things that had blown up before hit me again, just differently. My girlfriend was super healthy. She ran all the time. She ate well. She never drank Cokes. Why her? Why here in this tiny hospital? None of it made any sense. And once again, I could do nothing about it. The helplessness was the worst. I wanted to be the protector, a man that her family could trust to take care of her. And what could I do? Nothing, literally nothing, at least by myself. I tried to get myself composed and kind of stood back up, but I was still mad. I was so mad at God. Why is this happening? Why are you letting this happen? So he talked about how he just continued just to yell at God in the parking lot. He paced around just yelling, mad, angry. And he said... I finally got myself together and I went back in and they could tell I was really upset. So they let me have a room to myself. A nurse grabbed me and got me away from the crowd. And I find myself in this room by myself. And he said, during the blur, somehow I look down and I have Mallory's Bible. And I'm looking for comfort and familiarity. I turned to one of my favorite stories from the Old Testament Saul's son Jonathan and his armor bearer were going up to fight the Philistines, just, just the two of them. Jonathan decided to use the Philistines' reactions to, pair, to decide what they were going to do. Were they going to fight him, or were they going to back off? And so Tyler goes on to say he wasn't really there for the story. He had heard it before. It's one of his favorite stories. But the comfort that that story brought him was huge. God's word was a resource for him because he had been in it before. It was a comfort to him. But he goes on to say, he goes, I wasn't really reading the story. You know, I'm still pretty mad. But part of the story jumped out at me that I had never realized, that I'd never really appreciated before and noticed before. And he said, this part of the story is the what jumped out at him. At one point, the armor bearer, Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and says, okay, man, this, is, this could be bad. It's just two of us and there's a lot of them. 
are you sure that you're going to want to go in with me in this? Because this, this could end badly. And the armor bearer looked at him and he said, I'm with you heart and soul. Let's go. And Tyler said, that hit me hard. My continuous prayer changed. Instead of being one that was mad at God and full of what ifs, I decided to pray the hardest prayer I've ever prayed. He said, God, I know you may not save Mal. I know that. But even if you don't, I am still going to serve you and love you. I'm with you heart and soul. That really meant a lot to me. And he goes on to say, I do not wish this situation like this on anyone, but at the same time to be forced to see or rather be allowed to see the absolute power of relying on God in life-changing situation like this where there's nothing, literally nothing I can do but desperately rely on my faith. I would not want to do it again, but I'm eternally grateful that I had that moment with the Lord. One more little piece that he faced. So that night she did survive her surgery and they had to airlift her to the Dallas area to a a hospital that specializes in what was going on with her. And so he actually, because he was an athlete and a basketball player, there was a professor here who had also gone through a really hard life-changing event with his wife. And he actually encouraged Tyler. He called him and said, okay, you've got a basketball game to play. He goes, I'm not leaving the hospital. I'm not going to play my basketball game. He goes, yes, you are. Just like I had to go to work when my wife was in the hospital, you've got responsibilities. She's in a coma right now. You need to go take care of your responsibilities too. And the professor was, was not trying to be mean. He knew that how good that would be for Tyler. And so Tyler goes to play a basketball game. So Mal's in the hospital. He goes to play a basketball game. And he, he talked about how Coach Duncan had to call a timeout at one point because he was getting a little too physical and he was afraid he might get kicked out of the game because he was taking out all of his animosity and anger out on the other players. But he said he played his game, but then he immediately went back to the airport because he was going to fly back to Dallas. This, this basketball game was in Colorado. And so he's at the airport, and he's getting word that Mallory is waking up, that they're pulling her out of the coma. And he's realizing they still don't know. It was a brain injury, so they still don't know what the result's going to be. They have no idea. And so he's at this airport, and he's about to board the plane. He's by himself, and he just realizes, okay, I have to start praying. I don't know what else to do. But he starts asking himself this question, what if she doesn't remember me? We've dated for years. We've talked about getting married. What if she doesn't remember me? What am I going to do? Do I try to get her to fall in love with me again? Do I? He didn't know. He had no idea what was ahead of him at the end of that plane ride. So he said he gets on. Actually, what's interesting is another coach who had recruited him to play for another school saw him at the airport, and they actually prayed with him, which he thought was kind of interesting how God brought the most unusual people. You would think the coach would be mad at him because he didn't pick his school to play for, but instead the coaches surrounded him and prayed for him. He said he got on the plane and he started praying. He didn't even know what to pray. He's not even sure if he made sense. He has no idea. He has no memory of what he said or if it made any sense. But he said all he knew was he needed to pray the whole plane ride there. So he gets to the airport. They pick him up. They take him to the hospital. And they let him know that they're going to give him about some time by himself with her. And so he said that he stood outside her room for about five minutes trying to get the courage to go in. Because as long as he was still outside her room, she still knew him. But once she, he went inside her room, she might not. So he was trying to think of, how am I going to do this? How am I going to try to find out if she knows me and if she's all there? And how do I know? What am I going to do? So this thought came to him. 
And they had this thing that they did that was just kind of a cute thing, he said, that we just always kind of did together. And he would say, Mal, do you know how much I love you? And she would say yes. And he'd say, no, you don't. You can't possibly know how much I love you. And they would kind of tease back and forth. And yes, I do. No, you don't. You know, just something silly couples might do. And so he decided that's what he was going to do to see if she would not only remember him, but kind of remember their joke that they kind of had. So he goes in, scared to death, praying, and she's still kind of sleepy, kind of out of it. So he gets up really close to her, and he leans down, and he says, Mal. And she opened her eyes. So he wasn't sure if that was a good sign that she recognized his voice or if she just recognized someone was in the room. So he leaned back down, and he said, Do you know how much I love you? And he said he waited what felt like an eternity, but after a little bit, she smiled and she shook her head because that was the answer he always told her she should say is no, because how could I possibly know how much you love me? And he said at that moment when she squeezed his hand and opened her eyes and looked right at him and he could tell that she knew who he was, he just collapsed on the floor and just cried. Now, this is a big old burly guy, so thankfully this is public knowledge. He may not want to know everybody, you know, that he just fell on the floor and cried. But he did. He was so grateful. But even in that moment, he had already decided that he was with God heart and soul, even if she didn't remember him. He had already decided that before. So my prayer for all of you is that you will cling to that verse about not having a spirit of fear. God so loves you. Even if you're here and you hear this word Jesus and you're not quite sure who he is or how this all works, I just want to really encourage you to check it out. Don't just let it drift by. At least check it out. There's so many faculty and staff here who care about you. They've dedicated their careers to being here for you. They would love to answer your questions. No judgment. Just answer your questions. There's no question you have to be afraid to ask. There's nothing you've done that will make God love you less. And that would keep you from being welcomed into a relationship with him. And the life Jesus has to offer is pretty awesome, even in the hard. So I just want to pray over you, and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, thanks so much for these students and the faculty and staff and all the great things that go on at this really, really special university. LCU is a remarkable place, and I'm so grateful we all have this time together this morning. And Lord, if there's some folks here that are going through really hard things, I ask that they can feel your comfort They can feel what you have to offer them. And in the middle of the heart, that there will be some moments of peace, that they can take a breath and lean into you. And that they also will know that others are around them to help them, that they're not trying to do it by themselves. We're so grateful for all that you offer us and for your son, Jesus. And since his name we pray, amen. You're dismissed.